In just a moment, Mark's going to be preaching on uh, two passages, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. So the first one is Isaiah. Isaiah is in the Old Testament, a little bit after the Psalms. So Isaiah chapter 9, reading verses 1 through to 7. Okay, Isaiah chapter 9, starting at verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burnt as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The second reading is from the New Testament. Um, Turning over now to Matthew chapter 4. So Matthew chapter 4, reading verses 12 to 17. Now when he, that is Jesus, heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, good morning, everyone. We're continuing in our series, Songs of Christmas. So this morning, we're going to have a Christmas carol, Look to the Skies, which will be the concluding carol that we sing this morning. Um, So using that song uh, as a way, or this sermon leading into understanding better uh, the song that we'll be singing at the end. In November, in a World Cup game, Saudi Arabia beat Argentina 2-1. to Now, Argentina is ranked third in the world, unbeaten for three years. They're a top favorite to win the tournament. Saudi Arabia was ranked 52nd. For those like myself who don't really follow association football or soccer... Consider this probability. According to the sports data group Grace Note, the most surprising World Cup win ever to this 
point was USA's victory over England in 1950 with a 9.5% chance of victory. So that's pretty small. However, Saudi Arabia's chance of victory against Argentina was estimated at 8.7%. In other words, Saudi Arabia was less likely to beat Argentina than the U.S. to beat England back in 1950. Now that really is a true upset. Victory for Saudi Arabia from almost certain defeat in the face of Argentina. In 722 BC, the land of Zebulun and Naphtali mentioned in our readings this morning that that region is north of Judah. So it's the northern kingdom of Israel. It's northwest of the Sea of Galilee. And you can see it on the, on the picture on the left hand side, um, where those regions are. And then you can see on the right hand side a picture of where Assyria came down from the north and invaded. That region of Zebulun and Naphtali experienced a huge defeat when the Assyrians conquered the northern kingdom of Israel. Zebulun and Naphtali, that region suffered huge losses, heavy losses, and they faced terrible gloom and deep darkness. And that phrase, deep darkness, that you see in our passages is really pointing to death. It's just utter destruction. So when Israel was was conquered by the Assyrian exile, uh, uh, conquered by the Assyrian army, and then exiled, it was a really bad situation. Astoundingly, though, better than any soccer victory in the face of defeat, Isaiah nine is foretelling for us a final victory. For God's people, for the nation of Israel, a final victory after an utter defeat and exile. In other words, this is just an amazing event. And what we need to ask ourselves is how is this turnaround happen? How will this happen? How will there be victory in the gloomiest, darkest defeat? How will this take place? And that's our main point this morning. The answer to that question is that the promised God-given son, he brings victory and peace. He is the one who eternally will govern with justice and righteousness. Saudi Arabia's unexpected victory over Argentina at the World Cup was amazing. But even more so, is God's promise to give a son who would bring victory and peace to a land after its utter defeat. That is unparalleled. In our world, victories like peace are unpredictable and usually quite brief. However, Isaiah 9 is telling us today that the victory and rule of God's promised son Brings certainty and lasting joy. So we just have two points this morning. And our first point is this. A victorious light breaks into the darkest gloom. That's what Isaiah 9 is telling us here. A victorious light breaks into the darkest gloom. From the opening of the prophecy in Isaiah 9. 
He tells us that the latter time is going to be different than the former time. So in Israel, this northern kingdom of Israel rebelled against God. What are we told in verse 1? Look at verse 1 here. It says, in the former time, he, that is God, he brought shame. He brought contempt to the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. God brought shame and ruin to Israel for their ongoing and willful rejection of him. However, God did not bring the relationship to an end because of his people's unfaithfulness. Instead, God used their unfaithfulness to expand his work among the nations. Look at the end of verse one. He says in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Long before the Assyrian exile, God promised way back in Genesis 22, God promised that in Abraham's offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And so when Assyria took over the northern kingdom, they eventually settled it with foreigners, with displaced peoples that they would bring into the land. And so Assyria's plan to do this and their modus operandi for bringing people into the land. This doesn't stop God's plan for blessing the nations. In fact, Assyria's efforts to do that actually promoted God's plan. God's promise to bless and expand the blessing to the land beyond the Jordan, the Galilee of the Gentiles, That's exactly what God wanted to happen. Gentiles, these non-Jewish foreigners, were coming into the land, being settled there. And they were being brought into the land ahead of the light that God would send. God's great dawning light on the peoples who were dwelling in darkness. In a theater, house lights are dimmed just before a play begins. And as the stage lights come on, your eyes are drawn right to those lights, right to the attention on the stage, because previously you were in the dark. So that's what God is doing. God is bringing this darkness, allowing this darkness and gloom, this deep darkness to come on the land to make people ready for the great light that will dawn. Now, what about us? What about us in 2022? Well, our world, our world is gloomy. It's dark in so many places. News headlines prove that governments and longstanding institutions are really quite unreliable. On social media, people question what used to be quite certain. And then they say that truth is whatever you want it to be. Individually, we face tragedies, we face struggles, we face losses that really do present us with that sense of darkness all around us, even in our lives. At every level, in public and in private, we may feel that we are surrounded by gloom and darkness. 
we may be tempted even to despair. Is your darkness preparing you to see a great light? You see, that's why Isaiah 9 is for us to hear today. God has not lost control. God says in verse 2 that those in darkness have seen a great light. And on them has light shone or has light shined. You see, God's promise of victory to bring victory out of Israel's defeat was so certain that it stated in the past tense as though it's already been done. God's work to make the latter times more glorious is a done deal. We speak of it as a certain hope, a done deal. God guarantees it. And not only does chapter 9 verse 2 assure us by using that past tense, but then verse 3, God tells us himself that he will act for those people in darkness. Look at verse 3. Notice what he says here. Verse 3. You have multiplied the nations. This is Isaiah predicting. You have multiplied the nations. You have increased its joy. They will rejoice before you. This is grace. This is God acting on behalf of a people who rejected him, who rebelled against him. And verse 1 even tells us that he acts on behalf of a people from other nations who didn't even know him. Isn't that amazing? God promises to bring joy both for the nation of Israel and for the Galilee of the nations, of the Gentiles. Like in Isaiah's day, so far we know that God promised to act. But how will God bring victory? There's still so much darkness and gloom. Who is that great light that people will see? Well, let's look a little further. And that brings us to point two. The second point is that an unending rule brings justice and righteousness. This son's unending rule will bring justice and righteousness. Isaiah writes in verse four, he says here, look at the, look at the passage, the yoke, the staff, the rod of the oppressor. Again, God acting, you have broken as in the day of Midian. What's Isaiah talking about? What is Midian? What's going on there? Well, back in Judges chapter 7, a man named Gideon led just 300 men to victory over their enemies, the Midianites. Now, Gideon's men only had to do this. They were only to blow trumpets and to shine torches or clay pots that they broke open and light shone forth. And then they were to shout for the Lord 
and for Gideon. They had no swords. They had a trumpet in one hand. They had a torch in the other. But when they broke open the lantern and the light shone, it confused the Midianites and they panicked. And they started to slaughter each other with their own swords. Isaiah is reminding God's people that he overcame their oppressor using only a torch and a trumpet. He doesn't need the weapons of war to win the victory. And if you look in verse 5, not only will the oppression be broken, but all the battle gear, all the boots and the garments stained with blood. What does it say in verse 5? They will be burned as fuel for the fire. Now, it's amazing here because the image, this idea of fuel for the fire, this image is what you would put in your fireplace to, you know, keep your fire, keep your place warm. In other words, though God's people had lost their homes in war, in the, in the triumph of Assyria and the conquest and the exile, though God's people had lost their homes, God is going to give them such an amazing deliverance. And restoration that the garments of war are going to be what they use in their fireplace in their new home. It's such an amazing turnaround. Now, how is God still? We have to answer this question, right? How is God going to accomplish this task? A glorious victory in this latter time, whatever that is. A great shining light. A reason for joy, breaking oppression, destroying the garments of war. How will God rule and bring this victory? Well, look at verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. God sends a child, but a child, a son, with unequaled titles. Lionel Messe, he's on the Argentinian team. And he's one of the reasons that the Argentinians were favored to win. The thinking is, if you have Lionel Messi on your team, your team's going to win. How much more for those with a king called Mighty God, Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Can they possibly lose? Can we possibly lose? Do we have reason to hope for victory? Of course, you might be thinking, but Mark, Argentina lost, remember? (laughs) That was bad, right? Argentina lost even with Lionel Messi. Messi did not guarantee victory. If we hope in this son, what makes our hope of victory so sure? The clue is in the name. It's who's on the field is what matters. 
In Argentina's case, Lionel Messi is just a man. He's a wonderful player, but he's just a man. But the son's name in verse 6, the end of verse 6, describes a unique person who is himself God. Let me run you through those titles. Wonderful Counselor. The wonderful there is that idea of a miraculous one, a one who can give you miraculous counsel, counsel that works, counsel that's that's powerful, counsel that's helpful. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. And that refers to none other than God himself. In chapter 10, verse 21 of Isaiah. So just one chapter over from where we are. This mighty God who fights for his people. In Psalm 45, verse 3, this mighty God is also the warrior king. The everlasting father. Now, some are confused by this, and I am a little bit too, but I think here's how it's explained. Everlasting father. How can the son be the everlasting father? When the son was on earth, he said, if you have seen me, you have seen the father. I and the Father are one. I do the work that the Father gives me to do. In other words, the Son is the representation of the Father, the everlasting Father. And he is the Prince of Peace. Not just the one who gives peace, but the one who can make peace. He makes it happen. He gives us peace and he makes it so. And so we get to verse 7, that he has a forever government, a forever peace, an uninterrupted reign, unending rule of peace by one person who never dies. Never. He sits on the Davidic throne. This son is God's promised one who would sit on David's throne forever, but better than David. He is the perfect son who upholds the throne. Look at what it says in verse 7. In justice and righteousness. Where David and every previous king of Israel and Judah. They had messed up. They failed over and over again. Even the best of them were failures. This son perfectly upholds justice and righteousness. And for 700 years, from the time that Isaiah made this prophecy, for 700 years, God's people waited and they looked forward to God's promised given son. The great light to rule and gain this great victory over their enemies. And that brings us to Matthew chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, turn over to Matthew chapter 4. Because as Jesus begins his ministry in Matthew chapter 4, he battles Satan and he defeats temptation. And then in chapter 4, which Roz read to us from verse 12, it tells us that Jesus began his earthly ministry by leaving his hometown in Nazareth, going up to Capernaum, and he's right around that region of Zebulun and Naphtali. And then Matthew quotes the passage that we just studied in Isaiah 9. And he tells us that that Jesus coming was the fulfillment of Isaiah 9. Jesus is 
the great light seen in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, light has dawned. When Jesus moved into the area, he began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And by this simple proclamation, King Jesus, the Son sent as the light of the world, shines his great light on those living in darkness, and he faces down the powers of darkness himself. Isn't that wonderful? Such wonderful news. Jesus is the Son. And Jesus is how God conquers and establishes his rule of righteousness and justice. Like Gideon's victory over the Midianites, there were no swords, only torches and trumpets. Jesus, the great light seen by the people who were dwelling in darkness, he trumpets the kingdom's great proclamation. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now many of you may be thinking. We don't see the final victory yet Mark. We still suffer in the darkness. There are many enemies who wish to destroy us. What is God going to do about that? It's why Christians. Those who are here believing in Christ, it's why we are told to look to the skies. You see, we saw Jesus come 2,000 years ago in response to a prophecy made 700 years before that. God keeps his promises. He sent his son, who was the fulfillment of the promise to be the light of the world. After Jesus died and rose again, he promised to return. He ascended into heaven and we are told to look for him, look to the skies for his return and fulfillment of the complete rule. And we're going to sing that Christmas carol in just a minute. Look to the skies. But again, let me just underscore, how can we be sure That God will do this. Well it came at the end of 9. Chapter 9 verse 7. This little phrase that's at the end of that passage. Think of it like God signing the contract. Signing his promise in blood. Saying I guarantee it. Because this is what he says. Verse 7. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do it. God's king comes by God's hand. Not by us, not by anything we did. This is not a child sent to do a man's job. This is God himself who came as a son, lived among us, accomplished our victory in the darkness and gloom of the cross, overcame And he will conquer all his enemies. He will overthrow all oppressors. And he will establish lasting joy for all who follow 
and take refuge in him. And so the question is for you and me, does this son's light and rule bring you lasting joy? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are indeed so grateful. We recognize that your coming in your first advent was amazing, astounding, beautiful, a glorious light. But Lord, we anticipate and look forward to your second coming. We look to the skies awaiting your arrival. Come, Lord Jesus. For any here who don't know you yet, Lord, please break through their darkness. Break through their gloom. Deliver them from deep darkness. And help them to see and know you and trust you. And know the peace and the joy that only you can bring. In your name we pray. Amen.